0: is planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt continues our look at the first six verses of chapter two and asks the listener if God's love has been perfected in them. Hey, this is Thad. I want to apologize for the sound quality of these last two episodes. I had apparently missed our mic settings and there's some noise present. Thanks for understanding and I'll try to get it cleaned up for our next and future discussions. Now, open your Bibles to 1 John and let's get started.
1: Hello again, everyone. This is Pastor Matt Grimm. I'm here with Thad Keenel. We are doing the Planted Podcast. How are you today, Thad? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Good. Yeah. What's new with you? Oh, you know, it's been a pretty busy couple weeks. I preached a few weeks ago, and then we had our marriage conference, and I taught for you on Wednesday night. Yeah, that was nice. Thanks. It's been uh, it's been kind of nonstop for a little while. I was driving to church on Sunday and talking to my wife Julie, and uh, she had been up north the week that I preached, and and we were it's just been like the past week. And I said, last Sunday feels like a month ago.
0: <laughs> is not that funny how that yeah, happens yeah. yeah yeah that's good
1: yeah so it's just it's a, it's a little bit that season uh, in in my ministry we've got um yeah with discipleship and you know the winter semester kicking off and all the new year startups stuff. stuff and we had you know the we had a marriage retreat where we've got now, men's ministry is kicking in. We're going to have a man cave event and for, men's
0: retreat. Yeah, for the uh, marriage retreat, um, what was the turnout like for you?
1: It was good. It was similar to last year, we probably had about 150 people, about 70 to 75 couples. Uh, so, yeah, it was good. And the, the people who come, they're called Acts of Renewal. It's a married couple. They're both actually now faculty at Asbury College in Kentucky. She's in the, in the drama department, and he's in the communications department. They're both actors, and they've been doing this ministry for, gosh, 25 to 30 years. They do a lot of stuff through family life, and they've done cruises and oh, wow. big conferences, and they do this for us, and they did it last year. They came, we had them come back this year with new material. And they're just fantastic. They're, yeah. They're really good. They're, and they love the Lord, and they they're they're funny, and they're insightful, and their little skits and dramas are just drive home the points, great, and... Yeah, it's good stuff.
0: Yeah, I've been doing it for a long time. It sounds yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. Well, next time they like take a cruise.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. Okay. Uh,
0: so we're back yeah. into First John.
1: Yeah, we're back in First John, and again, we're not only studying through the Book of First John, but we're also uh, trying to highlight or find ways. How's this going to help our witness? How's this going to help it, us in proclaiming the gospel? Uh, which John opens up talking about that's you know why he and the apostles are. Our, that's why he writes this. What's he and the apostles are called to do, and and with that, I think we, we could affirm the fact that we're called to do it. Maybe not to the to the degree um, uh, that they have, but but we definitely have uh, that ministry as ambassadors and representatives of Christ uh, uh, to share that. And so when we want to be looking at how to be doing that, and last week uh, in our last podcast, we, we kind of brought up in looking at, at the end of chapter 1 and the first two or three verses of chapter 2, uh, in order to, one, um, kind of walk in the light, which is an expression which we'll get into a little bit more today in terms of walking, um, but just living the Christian life and pr- being able to claim that we need to first believe what is right. Mm. We need to we need to know the message. We need to know kind of the, the just the basic story. And so we talked about what we believe about God. Uh, what we believe about Jesus and what we believe about ourselves last week. Yeah. Uh and, and so uh we, we believe that God is pure and undefiled. He is he is light. There's no darkness in him at all. We believe that Jesus, you know, he he is the the agent of our cleansing, he's the advocate with us, uh before the Father, uh constantly interceding for us, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That he he deals with God's wrath and that we because he is that advocate we can we We have that confidence to to come before God and be and remain in fellowship with him, and then about ourselves that we are sinners and that um and that we we can be deceived and we we need to be careful that we're not deceived right that's one of the yeah. things
0: that I was thinking about as I was reflecting on our conversation last time is that what's really neat about this letter is that it's really an invitation mm-hmm. you know for for many to join into this intimate relationship with yeah. Christ and within the body of believers, right. right? But the whole key to that experience is to walk in in the light. Right. You know, like you had just said, that's the whole that's the whole key. And then the opposing side of that is for some who claim to do that, right. but actually aren't. And so right. there's these kind of these warnings. Now, there, you had mentioned um, maybe the Gnostics uh, yeah. coming in mm-hmm. um, and being part of this reason, which it, if you just read this letter through without knowing who the Gnostics are, you might miss that point, right. but you really don't miss the letter's intent, I don't think. No. Uh-huh. Um, but we can choose to have this fellowship and walk in the light, which is which is really right. a, a neat thing. So right. that's, that's kind of one of the things that I was um, thinking about as well as... Once you are truly in the light, once you are a believer, that doesn't wipe our flesh away, you know. So it's kind of a day-to-day choosing to continue that walk, right. right? And to deal with the reality of the sin that's in our lives.
1: It is. And so, you know, what the kind of the last thing we talked about in believing about ourselves is that we are capable of being redeemed, right? And so we do have this confidence that we can walk in this fellowship. We are but it but it comes with it should come with great humility, right? That we or we can't do this apart from union with Christ and that we need to continue to look at this life. You know, this that we are living in this present existence, we sometimes call the already not yet mm-hmm. of the, the kingdom is already here. And we uh, but it's not yet fully. And the same thing is true about our own our own body. Uh, that we are we are new beings in right. Christ, but we still have the old man and that flesh that is still here, and those habits and those ways of doing things that we need to put to death and and walk in the light, the newness of Christ. Yeah. Right?
0: So I mean, the the life of me as a believer um, and my stupid flesh that you know sometimes gets to me is it's really a life of confession, mm-hmm. you know, and a life of receiving. That right. that gift of love and that continuous grace and and reacting in thanksgiving rather than wallowing in, in, in self pity right. because he's paid the price you know yeah. he already knows the type of person that he's he saved yeah you know so there's there's um to understand our sin yes but also to always keep an eye on the bigger picture which is his his love and his light
1: exactly and so and so I think that is you know we are our we our faith is a confessing faith. Uh, and so we, and what that means is confess is just to tell the truth. And what we have to do is we have to tell the truth about God and the truth about ourselves. <laughs> and we constantly do that in right. life, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Uh, and, and, the, and that's why, again, one of the purposes of the Planning Podcast is that we're rooted and established in the faith based on God's word. We're planted by streams of water, which are, um, which is the instructions God gives us. And those instructions Uh, from Psalm 1 is in that covenant relationship. We're going to talk about that covenant relationship today. That this, it's not just do's and don'ts for the sake of of being a a good person. It's all about an expression of a relationship that we're called to, that that again, going back to our eternal decree and the reformed uh, season in season three is something God completely initiates himself that he has designed and, and brings us into. And we then participate in that um, out of his strength, and, and he—he's going to make it happen. But the point is, is it is this relational obligation that uh, that we don't enter into by merit. God—it's God's decree, and God's the mm. one who draws us in. But once yeah. we're in it, there is duty, and there's a difference between duty and merit. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that today. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, good. So, excellent. So let's let's go ahead and, and jump in because that does lead us into. Um, I think the, the verses we want to look at today. We may. I think we're only going to get through verse six because I, I got a lot to talk about. Well, well, good. I'm I'm here to listen. So, so um, uh, uh, so let's go ahead and, and re-read verses uh, one to three. Um, and so let's read uh, chapter two, verses one to six. Uh, and so uh, I'll do that today, and then when I get done reading, you can pray for our time. Okay. Uh, this is uh this is actually the the Lexham English Bible. Uh, version. My little children, I am writing these things to you in order that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I have come to know Him, and does not keep His commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in this person. But whoever keeps his word, truly in this person the love of God has been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he resides in him ought to also walk just as the one, as that one walked.
0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together to study your word. It is your very word, Lord, that shows us uh, what you would like from us and what you have done for us. And we uh, we thank you for that. And we pray that we'll handle it with uh, diligence and that we'll look for proper interpretation as your spirit allows and, and shows us and that we would uh, take this time to glorify you in the study of your word in Jesus name. Amen.
1: Amen. So as I was looking at this and thinking about it in terms of you know wanting to help with our witness and and recognize you know we witness in word and in deed we witness with our with our mouths we also witness with our lives uh, because uh everybody's watching people who call themselves a christian right and they want to see if does our does uh they want to see think do our words make sense right um but they also look and does does it make any difference in your life right and so um if uh you know, and God, I believe the Holy Spirit can use anything in anyone, you know, and when he draws, he can do it, you know, so you can have someone who preaches the gospel, and then you find out later their life's, you know, they weren't, they were maybe extremely hypocritical or didn't have a lot of integrity. It doesn't diminish what God can do with the message. Sure. But at the same time, um, that's not God's design, and and I think we we are always to watch our lives, and so, um, but so I think we see that, that, and then at the same time, a lot of people um, are one to Christ because of the love of, of others. And they want to know why people live the way they do. And so these things go hand in hand. Right, right. So um, as we as we think about, as we talked about last week, I think we ended in verse 2 basically talking about the propitiation for our sins and not for us only, but also for the whole world. And we're talking about that that includes every tongue, tribe, nation and people. Right? It's, it's not we don't, as we talked about in the, in the season 3, you know, we, we're not universalists. Uh, right? Um, but but we, we do believe that this propitiation, this, uh, or uh, sometimes it's, we talk about expiation, or the idea is that there's a covering for us. There's an atonement that's been made, right? That, that allows us to enter back into this relationship with God. And, and, and I, I want to think about this in Old Testament terms some, because I think it's going to help us even think about some of this language, because John himself would be intimately, you know, uh, I think this would be going, I'm assuming, presuming that it would be going through his mind as he writes mm-hmm. some of these things, right? In verse 4, or in verse 3, so there's this phrase that we see in, in verse 3 and verse 4, and and is that that we have come to know him. It says, and this, by this we, we know that we have come to know him, and then, in verse 4, the one who says, I have come to know him. And so this interesting phrasing, I have come to know him, what is, the, to come to know a person, because we have him here, that this is to come to know Jesus Christ. And we would we would say back even up to in chapter 1, to have fellowship with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. So it's the triune God we're talking about sure, here. Right? right. So what does it mean to come to know him? Well, is it yeah. this is this isn't this isn't necessarily um we it's not just knowing bible facts about god it's right? not
0: and i think well so in in, in verse 3 it says and, and by this we know
1: mm-hmm.
0: that type of know by by this we know that we have come to know him well that sounds kind of redundant at first right. we, we know one thing to know another so the first part of that this we know is the use of know of kind of the information we have this we have this informational knowledge, right, right? Right. But that we have come to know Him is a very intimate,
1: yes,
0: personal relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And and the Bible uses this term all throughout the Old Testament right. and in the New Testament. In fact, if we just look at the relationship between Adam and Eve, it says that Adam knew his wife, right. And he bore and she bore Cain, right? Right. So, it's, so it was
1: more than just hi, how you doing, honey? right? It's a very personal <laughs> right. relationship,
0: right? Yeah. And so and. And there's also places that like for, for whom the Lord knows he loves you know yes. those types of things so it's it's we could almost substitute love
1: yeah and, and a very particular kind of love right and, and, and I would say a covenantal love this this knowing of God is 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 entering into a a um, committed relationship it's it's not just I have good feelings towards God or God has good feelings towards me which he says by this we know and so so we'll go back to what's the this he's talking about? Well, we we just talked about this in verses one to two, right? That that he we have an advocate, that we have um, one who has is a propitiation for our sins. We have the one who forgives us. Right. Uh, that it's that it's that kind of relationship. We have a a God who committed Himself to us by dying for our sins. And so, what's our commitment back to Him? Right. And, and that that's the that's a little bit what's going on here
0: it's kind of interesting i'm gonna jump in real quick while i have this thought um but where you were reading earlier that um that is jesus christ the righteous um that he's the propitiation for our sins the understanding and even though it doesn't say it here that he's the satisfaction for our sins we know that sin results in death right and so if jesus christ is a satisfaction for our sins that infers life that mm-hmm. we have in him and that that goes back together with the word light right the right. light and the life so all these words come together but we have life and so this is what we know that we have life in christ because he satisfied the, the right. penalty for our sins right.
1: right and so so we have that by this we know we can look back but but, it, but the sentence itself has this if statement right and so i think that there's a sense and by this we know that we've come to know him is actually, I think, pointing more towards the second half of this phrase here, is if we keep his commandments. Sure. You know? And so, um, so we know if we keep his commandments. Now, again, if, we, if you read that sentence by itself, on its own, you could try to make an argument for meritorious salvation. Right, right. Or that, that somehow we enter into a relationship with God based on our obedience. Mm-hmm. And and that's not what it's talking about here. It says, by this we know that we have come to know him. It's an already done. It's a have come to know. It's not by this we know you can come to know him it's have come to know him. So what it's looking for is the fruit of one who has come to know him. That's going to look like a life that's characterized by keeping his commandments. Right. Uh, and so so I want to even look at this phrase keep his commandments. What when you just initially think of keeping commandments, what do you think of?
0: I mean initially, I would be thinking of like I would immediately go to the 10 commandments, right? right that's where that's where yeah. it takes me. Right.
1: Yeah, and so we can just think in my Am I being a moral person, right? Am I not telling a lie? Am I not stealing? Am I um, being faithful to my wife? All those, all those kind of things. We can say, okay, I'm keeping the commandments, which is, it's, it's. That's not untrue. It's there, but we got to think about the con, the context of of why the commandments are given, to whom they're given, and how that relates to us now. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So with that, I'll, I'll. Adopt or I'll, excuse me, I'll I'll adapt my my comment a little bit because uh, the Ten Commandments, we know that the first four have everything to do with our relationship with God, right? And then the last, you know, six are about our relationship with man, right? With mankind, you know, how we're to interact with them, and that that falls really back to what Jesus modifies. Um, in the scriptures when he says, you know, of course, the greatest command is to love God, but then also to love your neighbor as yourself. So it's this loving relationship is is how you keep the commandments, because if we're loving our neighbor, we're not going to steal from them, for example. Right,
1: exactly. And so if if we think about when Jesus was asked to, you know, what's the greatest commandment? You know, he basically gives these two as as a way of summing up the entirety of the law, Mm -hmm. the entirety of the Torah. And the Torah is, it's God's uh, you, it could be translated instructions. It's God's instructions to his people. But it's not, again, it's not just instructions in terms of just do's and don'ts. It's actually, we could say it's the terms of the covenant. Right. It, and we think about it in terms of this obligational, you know, in one sense legal, but much more le- than just legal, relational, right? A loyal, loving relationship to have. And so, so if we take that, we think about in Judaism... The kind of the great commandment or the great confession that they had was the Shema from Deuteronomy six um, four to nine, where they where they would say, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God, the Lord is one." Right, that's the confession. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what we, we we listen to this, and in the listening also comes that idea of obeying, right? Obey the Lord. He and confesses he's got it, it. says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength." That's the that's the that's their confession and their their kind of commitment each day to, to, to keep the Covenant and then Jesus decides well you no, know, I'll also throw in Leviticus here um, <laughs> which is Leviticus 1918 where he says love the na- love your neighbors yourself which is which is again in that covenant agreement that 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 they have with with God and so um, Which is is what all the law and the prophets, he says, testify to. And that's exactly what you pointed out in the Ten Commandments. You have love of God and love of neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, Being shown there is an expression of our loving loyalty to God. And and so when we think about that, it made me think about this word keep, his commandments. And so um, when we think about the way we use the word keep today... we could say we could relate it to our marriages. Would you Would you say that you are to keep your marital vows? Yes, we would use that language, sure. right? We're <laughs> we're to keep our marital vows, right. right? And so and and so I think we could we could kind of ask ourselves, how are we doing on keeping our marital vows? You know, that would be something that would we I think most people could relate to that and think, yeah, we I think it's a good thing to keep the marital vows. You know, that I'm going to stay lovingly loyal to my wife. I'm going to be true to her. I'm not going to I'm not going to um, cheat on her with other women. We don't cheat on God with other gods. Yeah, you know? exactly. And what's, so, I'm sorry. Go no, ahead.
0: No. no, I was going to just say what's popping in my mind on that, of course, is, you know, you, you keep your promises. That's, that's right. That's, that's the way we
1: talk about you yeah. keep your
0: promises. But then when in my in my household, in my relationship, I'm, part of my responsibility is also to keep up the house, to keep the house.
1: Yeah, right. You know, what does that mean?
0: You know, so I'm using that as a different term. There's there's. There's a, there's a maintenance factor to this almost, right. you know, where the relationship is. is more than just, you right. know.
1: When you enter in a relationship, when you're living with them, right, then, then there's a lot of stuff that you have to, there's duties that we have to, that one, show our love for them, but also talk about, well, just we have this obligation to live together in harmony and peace and flourishing, hmm. right? Yeah. You, your life isn't going to flourish if you're if you're allowing a bunch of bacteria and viruses to to and rats to infest your home. You know, we, we, we have the obligation to keep it clean and orderly so that life can thrive. And that's that's a lot of what's happening in in the Old Testament, in these covenant laws. Is it's 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 how to live life distinct and apart from the nations around them, you know, but it's also how to how to manifest life and and flourishing within the within the community. And so and sometimes that was that, that has very practical ways, but sometimes it was also just representational. Sometimes it was just saying, well, that thing isn't necessarily inherently sinful, but it represents death. It represents a world that's passing away, and we're entering into this life of the new Eden, Cain sure. the Canaan land, you know, the life that God dwells with us in the tent. And so Which brings me to this covenant language here, the keeping of His commands. That same language is used of the people who serve in the tabernacle and the temple. The priests were to keep and guard the temple. They were to work and keep the temple. And, and keep it that way. In that sense, they're keeping the commands, yeah. right? Because all, all the covenant commands center around life around the tabernacle.
0: Or I was having that very thought five minutes ago, yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's actually, this. You know, I think I've said this before, maybe not on the I know I've been teaching and preaching, but I think on the podcast that it's the same language used of Adam and Eve in the garden. Because the garden itself is is up on a mountain. You have these headwaters, right, that, that are flowing down. So you know it's up on a mountain and you have this... This temple, sanctuary, and what's God doing with them? He's walking with them. Mm. And so what's fascinating here, this whole language that John uses of walking in the light and walking with the Lord, it's the same language that's used of what God, when he dwells with his people, he walked with them. And so it was fascinating. I'm going to get back to the work and keep in a minute. But this whole notion of God walking with, because it, it again, is this koinonia, this fellowship that we have with God, right. is for him to walk with us. We see that that's, Language in Genesis 3.8. Um, so if you, if you look at, at Genesis 3.8, uh, it says, what is God doing with them in the garden? It says, then they heard the sound of Yahweh, God walking in the garden at the windy time of the day. Now this is after they had sinned, and God's kind of there looking with them. But we, I was taking that, and, and many theologians do, Bible scholars say, that it's kind of seeing that this is what God's practice was. Right, so if he's dwelling with them up on the mountain, if if this if that's the sanctuary that that they're then I, I take it as they're to take to the rest of the earth as the, as they multiply and, and and have dominion and bring order that the, what they keep what they guard and keep or work and keep or serve and keep are the different ways you could translate that the the garden that they would take that to the rest. It's the same thing that we're to do. That's our relationship with God because he walks with them in that. Mm, and, yeah. and so um, it's interesting that that language then is used uh, with God's covenant people in other places of him walking with them. And so in Leviticus 26, it says, I'll start in um, verse 11. It says, and I will put my dwelling place in your midst. And my inner self shall not abhor you. So this is God, because of this covenant relationship, because he has all these way, these covenant laws that they're to keep, that he can dwell with them, right? He says, uh, I'll put my dwelling place in your midst, and my inner self shall not abhor you, and I will walk about in your midst. And I shall be your God, and you shall be my people. I am Yahweh your God, who brought you out from Egypt." That language, I will walk in. I I don't remember reading that before in Leviticus. I, <laughs> I looked this up, it was really yeah. interesting to see that. Here's this this desire to dwell with them, for them to be his people, and the God I'm gonna walk in your midst. So we see the same thing in Deuteronomy 32, or I'm sorry, 23, uh, verse 14. And there are other places. Some of the prophets pick up on this, and. Um, you know, Isaiah and and, and so forth. But here here he says in verse 14, For Yahweh your God is walking about in the midst of your camp to deliver you and to hand your enemies over before you, so let your camp be holy, set apart, so that he shall not see in it anything indecent, and he shall turn away from going with you. So this whole idea of, of God wanting to walk with them, to dwell with them, which makes me think of John, in John 15, about abiding in Christ, right? Abiding in the vine, that yeah. whole dwelling. The beginning of John, he, did, he came and tabernacled among us. It's this whole whole idea of this desire for God to live and walk with. And so his command then is to walk in his light as he is is walking with us. Right, right? so and
0: I've heard you in these three different passages state this promise, basically, to walk among you. I'll be yeah. your God. Um, and then we go back... Um, this is Le- Le- this Leviticus, Leviticus portion is, mm-hmm. is the giving, um, not far after the giving of the feast days and how, how they're to, to live with the Lord, basically, in okay. fellowship and right. with, within the body. Yeah. And, I mean, you don't get much further than this, and they're failing, and he's kind of turning them over, yeah. you know, to the other gods of the land, basically, because right. they, they don't want to... They don't want to have success with the Lord. Is basically what I'm reading. You know, (laughs) he does. Whenever they do what he tells them, he turns the enemies over into their hands. It's like a. It's like the God. God takes care of everything for them, Mm -hmm. right? They have perfect success. They're going to enter into the land of of milk, you know, flowing milk land with milk and honey, and then they turn their back on the Lord. So the they they basically have stopped walking with him at, at certain points as a congregation.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you just told the story of the Old Testament. I mean, that that is, I think, so much of what's happening there. We we see the the story of how that just continually repeats itself, and you, with one little shining light because I mean that's the Book of Judges. I mean, there's constant, you know. Doing what's right in their own eyes, and they 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 turn back for a little while, but then you know then they're back to the same cycle, and he has to raise up a judge, and then finally we get to Samuel, and then we get David, right? We've been looking at this in the through the Bible class, sure, and oh, David's the one we got, you know, he's a man after God's own heart, and we think, oh yeah, they're finally. Se- seem to be settled in the lane. It gets to the point where he even wants to build him a temple, and you know, and all this stuff, so that God will dwell there permanently. You oh know, my goodness, and yes. and then it's like, oh, well, no, David doesn't keep the co- keep the covenant either. <laughs> yeah, <and it's>, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's just. Cra- I mean, um, but the the point is, is that the whole story. Is talking about this constant desire for God to do it, and even when the prophets come back in, they're they're urging people to return to keep the law, not to merit salvation, right? But to live what they what God's already promised them, yeah. so that they can experience the fullness thereof. If they don't, they're gonna they're gonna suffer the consequences of exile and separation, and they're gonna be cast out into the wilderness again. Not that they're losing their salvation, but they're losing the fruit of of life, you know. Because there were there was a remnant who got taken away with them in, in, into Babylon as well, right? You yeah. know, so but that's yeah that that's the case. So, um, but I was just struck with this whole walking lang- the keeping language, and the walking language, mm-hmm. um, because that is in because it, it, it all centers around this this desire for God to dwell with the people. So I want to get back a little bit to the keeping language, the keeping of the commandments. Um but do you have something? i was
0: thinking about one more thing and okay. I was looking at this Leviticus twenty six verse that you are mm-hmm. reading. Um in verse ten it says, You shall eat old, store long kept, you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. Mm. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor-, abhor you. And I will walk among you and I will be your God and you shall be my people. Right. There's a portion of this when I think of um God walking among His people. There's no better example than it was when Christ came and He walked. Oh, right.
1: right, right. I mean, exactly. he was, there He was, right in the. Talk midst. about shadows of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know? Right, and so I wonder how much of this uh, continues to to press forward. And not only into the time of Christ, but after Christ leaves, um, the, the Spirit comes, and now the Spirit's dwell, you know, dwelling within us, and we are walking among each other. This, so God is walking with us within the body of believers. Right. And even that's not perfected yet until the second right. coming.
1: Right, But it has been inaugurated, it has started right, right now. And so that's where, because that, that leads me perfect to where I'm going with the, the working and keeping, is because that's temple language. Right. Hmm. And what are, what does sec what does Peter tell us about us? That we are the temple. We are the temple, right? right? We're
0: the stones, right? <laughs> and then there's a chief cornerstone. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so so if we're temples, then we need to work and keep our temple. Which is our which is our own individual life, but then it also becomes our corporate body life because it's not just because you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, and so am I, but together we are the, the temple of God. And so we so we have to so how am I loving God personally, but how am I loving my neighbor and how is my neighbor loving me, especially as Christ followers, right? right? And so, so I just want to look at some other, this work and keep language, because this is this temple language, which I think relates to what, I think it fits so perfectly what's going on here in John. But if we look at Genesis 2.15, we have, this is where God has made Adam. He set him in the garden, right? So we have this region called Eden, Okay. Within the world, which we could think about almost as like the camp. Um, and then within that, within uh, the camp of the Israelites, and then within the region of Eden, we have the garden that he plants, and that would be like the temple mm. or the tabernacle, right? Right. And then within the garden, you at the center of the garden, you have this tree of life, <laughs> which would be like the holy of holies, I would say. Yeah, sure. Um, so, but here it says, verse fifteen, and Yahweh God took the man and set him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it, or sometimes to work it and to keep it and that's the same language that's used later of, of the priests in the tabernacle. So if we look at Genesis uh, I mean uh, uh, numbers 3 7 and 8 talking about the pre Yahweh God I'll start in verse 5 and Yahweh God spoke to Moses saying bring near the tribe of Levi and set the tribe before Aaron, the priest, and they will minister to him. They shall observe his duties and the duties of the entire community before the tent of assembly, that's the tabernacle, or a temple. The tabernacle is just a mobile temple, all right? right? Um, and, and to do the work of the tabernacle. See, we see the do the work of the tabernacle. And they will keep all the vessels of the tent of assembly. And the response was, to do the work of the tabernacle. So they're working and keeping. So their work is to keep the tabernacle there, keep that dw- the dwelling place of God as it should. Um, and if we jump down to Numbers 4, verses uh, 23 and 24, we see similar language. He says, the, talking about the taking ascendance of the descendants of Gershon, related then to the, to the Levites and, and the 50 years old, they will muster them and all of who come to, to help do the work of the tent of assembly. This is the work of the claim of the Gershonites, to serve and to carry. Um, the, the, again, that serving in the temple, the working, the keeping, language. Uh, and so. Uh, and then just one more. We see this in Deuteronomy 4, verse 19. He says, And to do this you will not lift your eyes toward heaven, observe the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven. Don't be led astray and bad down and serve them. The things that your God has allotted to all the people under heaven. So I guess it's the word serve there. Um that, that we're looking at that similar sense as as it relates to our relationship to God of mm, yeah. observing the the um the laws and the and the festivals and, and 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 so forth. And so the why do I bring all this up? Well I bring this up because when it comes back to the first John and he says how do we know? And then we're talking about this relational love, this covenantal loyal love. We do it by keeping his commandments. And so when we think about keeping commandments before God, don't think of it just as meriting anything before the Lord. He's already won you in Christ. Right. But it, it's about, i have at this temple that I'm maintaining. It's my obligation. It's my duty because of the one I love. Think of your marriage. We were just talking about the marriage, right? Sure. It's the, I'm not meriting my love or my wife's love by cleaning up the kitchen. I'm just doing my loving duty. I'm expressing my love by doing that and my loyalty, you know, that that yeah that this is what this relationship deserves, you know. And, and so that's what it is. How do we know we come to know Him? We have this inner conviction and desire to keep the commands. I think that's what what the Old Testament talks about in terms of getting a new heart, he's going to write the law on our hearts. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, we're going to have our the heart. Why Why did the Israelites always feel? Well, their hearts weren't circumcised, right? And when he circumcised their hearts, he's going to write the law on their hearts because now we want to keep the commandments.
0: Right. Right? Yeah. And
1: we think about that keep in terms of serving in the temple and and. and keeping this relationship where God's able to walk with us and talk with us and have fellowship with us and we've entered into this secure flourishing relationship why wouldn't you want to keep his commandments
0: right you know I was just thinking you know something that you you don't work when you're keeping there's yeah. something that you don't work when you're keeping it hmm. it's the sabbath <laughs> interesting so you have our sabbath rest you yeah. know there's a sabbath and we're to keep the sabbath right. by not working
1: yeah, uh, this is a the, it, that's so good because the uh, this could be a whole other episode. <laughs> but if we think about the seventh day of creation, right? There's no evening and morning, right? In the seventh day, why is that? Well, if you think about the first six, God's setting out a pattern. The first six days of work and rest, work and rest. He does his work, and then there's evening and morning. What do we do between evening and morning? We rest, we sleep. You know, he gets up, and works the next day. Seventh day, there's no evening and morning. What's up with that? Well, I think part of what that's describing, in my view, and other theologians would, would, I'm just mimicking them, is that we are to enter into that rest, that trust that the work that he's done is complete. And he's, in essence, he's sitting down on his throne after he's created the cosmos. Yeah. And he's resting from his work because now he's entrusting it into our hands. And we rest into, we enter into that rest. Had Adam and Eve, Stayed true, and in their progeny stayed true. They would have eventually entered into that rest themselves when the earth had become full of image bearers who were working and keeping the garden. Oh,
0: amazing! That's good stuff. Yeah, Preacher, I like that. Yeah, that's
1: and good. so, but I think yeah. that's what yeah. the, the author of Hebrews is getting into when he talks mm-hmm. about entering the rest in there, and he's saying, "How do we enter that rest now? We enter through Christ, right? We. That's why we." We we worship on Sundays, the first day of the week, because we enter. We don't have to wait till Saturday to enter into rest. We are in Christ. We've entered into rest every day of the week. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't still have this pattern of six days and actually physically resting a day. We need that, right? right? But the point is, is that we enter into the rest of Christ. We enter into the fellowship, the koinonia of of this God walking with us. You know, in the garden that, that is there in the seventh day. Right. You know, and so that's why, you know, we could say that, that you know, Christians are eighth day people because <laughs> <laughs> we're resurrection people. We're living into, we, we live into the fullness of that day which has been inaugurated, which we're waiting for one day. And, and what's a what's life like that characterized like? Well, it's verse four. Well, verse three, we keep his commandments. And so what's the antithesis to that? The antithesis, the one who says, "I have come to know him," someone who who says they have this confession, it says, and does not keep his commandments. What does he say about him? You're a liar. He's a liar. And what does it say to in, early, in, in chapter one? It said, "When we live that way, we make God out to be a liar, liar. Right? right? Because we, because we're a liar." Right. And he says, "The truth is not in this person." Why is the truth not in this person? Because their life is not revealing what they confess.
0: Yeah, and I'm—I mean, it doesn't have a capital T here. But when the truth's not in you, that's basically saying that Christ is not in you.
1: Amen. You
0: know, right? And uh, so that's—that's uh, that's a big factor when you look at um, somebody who we—we we all know these type of people, even outside of religion, that they're they preach it but they don't practice it. Yeah. Right. And, right. And, and the cat's left out of the bag, really, pretty, pretty easy, right? Yeah. Now within within the true faith of Christ, people who you know uh, confess the Lord, we can experience that truth through the fruits yeah. that the Holy Spirit manifests through them, right. right? So we can we can actually see evidences of that, right? right? But and for those that make mistakes, we can't just the evidence that they're a true believer true the, the true fruit is repentance
1: exactly it, so when when we are confronted with our sin then we jump back up to to chapter 1 you know verse 5 and says you know the and following is that we confess you know the, verse nine, I'm sorry, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just so so the the life of the Christian is is a repentant life, that ongoing repent. we talk about telling the truth about God and ourselves, and so so yeah, so that's the characteristic of our life. so I, I sometimes say, you know, the life of the Christian is not about perfection, it's about direction. right, sure. and so the what direction and whenever our when our life gets redirected to sin. We repent, and repent just means to turn around and turn back to God. And so, if if we look at our life as almost like a, a chart, we're all going to have little bumps where we fall, you know. But if, but if we're confessing Christians who confess our sins and and trust in Jesus alone, we we keep our trajectory over time. Even though there's these little ridges, we'll see that the chart is is a is a forward moving, upward moving chart where we are our lives are starting to conform more and more to the image of Christ. Now, we've got a long, long way to go, (laughs) right? But the point is, the the life that is walking with God and walking light will show that characteristic over time. The one that doesn't is going to show itself to be a liar over time. Uh, The long-term trajectory of the the person not walking with the word is going to show someone who is a liar who's not living the truth. But verse 5, whoever keeps his word, there's that word again, keep, who keeps his word Truly, in this person, the love of God has been perfected. whoa now it's interesting we we introduced first John here talking about how there was this struggle about can we become sinless so I and, and he just said earlier in chapter one that if we we're de- not we're deceiving ourselves we think we're without sin so what does it mean that But whoever keeps his word truly in this person, the love of God is per perfected by this we know that we're in him so is john now all of a sudden saying that we with we, we can we, that we're perfected in this life
0: well if he is he left everybody out <laughs> right because nobody nobody can walk that way and people that profess that to walk that way um, are going to eventually face um, two things one is going to be an issue of pride Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's something that they're doing. Right. Right. And and the other thing is um, there's going to be a serious failure that they're going to think I, I've just blown it all together. <laughs> yeah. Right. But the, the the persistent life of Christ to have the love of God perfected in us is to understand the bulk of what he said before. All these things go hand in hand that if we walk in the light that we know he is light that we live a life of confession. So confession is is a part of that perfected love, in my opinion, right? And that confession includes, you're confessing something against God, so that's confessing sin, but it's included in the perfection. So you have to have all of that together and the understanding, what it is, is that new heart that's been given to us, one for God, doesn't continuously live in sin, Right, Right. we're we're brought back out of it. Even our Westminster Confession of Faith says something to the effect that um, there are Christians, those who sin, and some who sin, the word is grievously, grievously, yeah. Right, which Mm -hmm. is to me an ugly, ugly sin, right? But that true heart won't let them stay there that long because the Spirit will persist in turning that person back to repentance.
1: Right, yeah. And I think one thing to to think about with this too is that whose love has been perfected? Well, it's the love of God. It's God's yeah. love. yeah, yeah. So if, if we think about that, um, the love of God, you know, can be understood in various ways. Uh, it seems like in this context is referring is it is it the love believers have for God, or or or? or um, is, is that how's that being manifested itself? And so I think the thing that's because this is being connected to obedience, right? What we're what, what, in the keeping of the commandments. Right. Um, what's going through my head is that as we've talked about, it's only by grace that we're justified, and it's it's by grace that we we are able to to go on and participate with God in this in this sanctification. But ultimately, the final sanctification is 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 by grace alone itself anyway. Um, you know, only God can complete it. Right. Uh, so, so I think there's, but I think there's something in here in, in, that I'm wondering is that the, the love of God is complete in Christ. The love that God has demonstrated to us, right, in the it is finished act of Jesus is complete and and so when he says he's going to start in a work in us, what does he say he's going to do? He's going to complete it. He's going to and, complete un, it in the until
0: the day of Jesus Christ.
1: Day, right. <laughs> and so I think there's something in that, right? That there's the this completion, this perfection, which is the I think it's this word um, telos, which is is telios. Um, this, does that
0: have anything to do with like totality? Is that a root word
1: um, it, it yeah, that's a great question for, fin- I, for finishing yeah but it, that, there is this mm-hmm. kind of this this completion this end thing that that when we think of it to bring to an end to finish to accomplish it's kind of to to complete an activity um, uh, kind of a thing that that is there and so if how's that when we think about perfect we I don't think we just often we we think of this you know complete moral purity. I I think what it really goes
0: um, back to uh, is something that we have talked about many times on on this podcast and also in every one of our classes, maybe, is this concept of the already, not yet. You know, what's already happened is that God has completely and perfectly set his love upon us. You know, through Christ, through the obedience of Christ at the cross, who paid the penalty for every one of our sins. And if they're paid for and he's loved us, then we have been saved and are blanketed with his righteousness. Right. 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 And that is independent of the sin that takes place in the believer's life. There's not one sin that I commit that separates me from God's love. Right. That's, we, so we have to take the, the whole entire gospel and hold it together at one time, right? So the understanding of of perfect love is the is the perfect work that Christ is doing in me that He has done in my salvation, right? And will do me, do will do in me at the time of our glorification, right? When, when we enter the new heavens and new earth at resurrection time, yeah, right. So the big picture all, for us is always has kind of it's there's a little bit of tension that's involved in it, you know, for us.
1: Yeah, and I think there's this, I guess what I've been trying to get at here is there's a there's a sense in which when I am obedient, I'm not talking about this constant perfect uh, obedience that we'll have, you know, in glory um, in the new heavens and the new earth, but when I do walk in the light that is evidence of the completed work in Christ in me. It doesn't mean that, you know, Ten minutes later, I may not. I, I may do something I shouldn't. Right. But as I'm doing what I should be doing, that is the revelation of that completed work in Christ in me. The love of God is showing itself complete in me as the fruit of the Spirit are exhibited, and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe this would
0: be a good time for you to, um, to speak to somebody that might be struggling with accepting the fact that God has loved them mm-hmm. um, and they don't know what to do. They feel like they're unforgivable at a certain right. point. Or how, how, do we, how do we live this out if we're not feeling very good about ourselves or if we have never confessed Jesus Christ as right. Savior?
1: Well, yeah, so if it, I, I would say when you feel that inside, that when we have these feelings of guilt, of shame, of um, incompleteness inadequacy those things those you're feeling true things because because uh, that's that's the human longing for what we've been made for is this complete fellowship and flourishing life with God the life of 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 shalom which is peaceful but also this where everything's working together rightly and in good and in this flourishing life that God has for us as humans is what He wants for us, mm-hmm. and when we experience those things, it's because we're not in right relationship with Him. We're not living as we should before God, the Creator of all the world. We're, we're also not living before others, right? So the love of God and love of others. We're not in right relationship with others, but sometimes, but, but also sometimes we're just being sinned against too. And we don't know how to deal with that. Sure. And so um, sometimes we bring the shame on ourselves and the guilt on ourselves, and other times other people are shaming us. But all all this to say is that is all evidence that you need redemption, that you need a God to come in and restore you to wholeness. And and that's what Jesus is doing. That's what he promises to do. He promises to restore us back into relationship with God, to give us eternal life, that abundant life, the life that is restored to us back in uh, in Christ uh, to God, where we can walk in the light, uh, as, as to use John's terminology. And so it starts with what we talked about last week, right? That's confessing, thinking, yeah. confessing who God is—the God of all light. He's pure and holy, uh, and and we confess that we're not. But we also confess that Jesus has provided a way to bring us back to Him that He is our advocate, that He is the one who atones for sins, that He is the one who reconciles us back to God. And when we put our faith in Him and His finished work, the one who truly did keep the commands, there's one human who has worked and, worked and kept the garden of life the way God intended it from the very beginning, has stayed lovingly loyal to his Father throughout his life as a human, and we can participate in that righteousness, okay, it's not just that he did everything right and wrong, but he stayed lovingly loyal the whole way. He stayed faithful um, the whole time. And we, we're we invited to trust in his life, his work, to bring us back into that. And then we can, as verse 6 says here, the one who says that he resides in him or dwells in him or or abides in him, ought to also just Walk just as that one walked, just as Jesus walked. Okay, and so we can be united to Christ in faith, and then He can live His, his that life of faithfulness. He will demonstrate it in us, in an ongoing way, as we as that is perfected in us. So, for, so for the non-Christian, come to Christ initially. Put your faith in Him if you've never done that before. Just say, Lord, you're God, I'm not. You're pure. I'm not. I'm a sinner. I, I, I mess up. I'm broken. I'm, I'm, I'm in need. I'm guilty. I'm full of shame. I want to be restored. I, want to, I can be declared not guilty in Christ. I can be restored and adopted into his family in a loving relationship free of shame. And for the Christian who's feeling those things, you preach the gospel to yourself. You come and you confess again and you say, I have this need. Um, there's nothing There's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of Christ, it says in Romans. There's, there's no sin we can do. There's no sin that can be committed against us. Um, you know, Death, nakedness, famine, shame, no, nothing can take us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so the key to all of this is in Christ Jesus. So for the Christian who's feeling burdened by their sin, you've fallen in a big mud puddle. Get up, wash yourself off in Christ, and, and start living the life again. The, the the evil one, the, the devil, the, the the liar and accuser, he's he's just trying to tell you that all he's doing is trying to tell you that Jesus sacrifice wasn't enough for you. Right. And it's a big fat lie. Don't believe it. Believe the word of God. Jesus sacrifice is good enough for anyone. So so walk in it. Walk in to walk in the light is to walk in in the covered in a life covered by the blood of Christ. Um and so Get up and walk again. Right.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Believe the scriptures. And yeah. You know, if uh, if you've confessed your sin and you're not feeling forgiven of it, then then you're um, you're not trusting what Christ said He has done. Right. You know. So you want to trust His promise. He's faithful and true. <laughs> exactly. You know, He's the faithful one. So trust yeah. Him. You've been forgiven. If you He will finish the good work in you, but you have to trust him with that right. and not wallow. Because if you're wallowing, you're thinking too much about yourself at that point. Exactly. Right? Trust what he's done and then face forward and move on. And right. when the next problem comes along, you have to tackle it the same way. Right. And, uh, and and live it out. That's how we walk in the paths of righteousness. We need to keep in the word, you know, and, and hearing those promises. We need to be reminded of these promises right. every day to keep our eyes off ourselves, because if, if not, we'll. it's pretty easy to, to, to reflect inward on, on my right. shortcomings.
1: Yeah, and so just to drive home the point when it comes to obedience in this life of duty that we have, John is not telling us to obey in order to be forgiven. He's telling us we obey because we've been forgiven. It shows the life of one who has trusted in Christ. And so um, live out this, this life, live in the light And we get to experience the life back with God again, walking with us, dwelling with us, um, fellowshipping with us. Uh, Enjoy that life. Embrace the life. And whenever you're tempted to break a command to not keep the life that God's given you, because for a moment it seems attractive, it seems that it'll be beneficial. Remember, the loyal love of God is so much greater than that little enticing thing that you have. You know, it's, I remember a colleague of mine that worked in a university with gave gave this example. I thought was a great example one time that she was it was a, some holiday and they were having a bunch of family over and she was preparing this wonderful feast. Um, set out you know the the table the dining room table and it worked hard, slaved over all this wonderful food for them, right? And she's got a little two year old daughter who's crawling around or maybe one and a half. I don't know. Just but, but you know hands and knees crawling around. And she finds a little dusty Cheerio under the refrigerator, and she pulls out the little dusty Cheerio and puts it in her mouth. And she's like, "What are you doing? I prepared this wonderful feast for you, and you want to eat a dirty little Cheerio, right?" And that's what—that's what you know. When we when we get our head right, and we see God as the pure light that we are, when we know God the way we should, and see the scriptures, and let it reveal to us this wonderful relationship. Uh, back in the garden that God wants with us, you know if if you know it's that's life being faithful to your wife, uh, being tempted by some little by some other woman is a dusty cheerio and we we have to wrap our mind around that you know uh living the life of faithful work and service and doing your job versus trying to you know, scheme and steal your way into an abundant life is a dusty cheerio. Yeah. Although you know, um, coveting your 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 neighbor's pool or your neighbor's, you know, car or whatever it is, that's a dusty cheerio. But but trusting in what God's giving you and the joy of, of walking with him, that's the feast. And we just need to see life that way. That's the changed heart, the changed mind, and we gotta to continue to pursue that. And so pursue that in a life of of scripture study, in a life of prayer, in a life of being in community with God's people. And you will start to see that that feast is so much better than the dusty little cheerio of all these other things of life. That's good.
0: Really good stuff. Excellent. All right. So next next time we'll uh, continue on in verses 7 on. Yeah. And uh, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, we will continue on with that. So thanks for joining us. Sounds good. All right.
0: Have a good day, everybody. We look forward to having you join us next time as we try to decide if there's a new commandment or an old commandment that we're to follow. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.